Are you struggling with kids fighting, yelling, and more despite listening to the podcast and reading all the books? Parenting can be so overwhelming and exhausting. You know, I see you and I have something that will help. Mindful Parenting SOS. I'm offering free live mindful parenting sessions starting Monday, May 6th. Basically, live mindful parenting lessons that you normally have to pay for. So if you struggle with getting your kids to listen, tantrums, misbehavior, and feeling the guilt of yelling at your kid, then you should definitely get your spot in Mindful Parenting SOS. I'll be there to answer your questions in person, and if you can't make it, we will have replays available. Don't wait to get your spot now. It's free. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash SOS to register. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash SOS. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 87. Today we're talking about parenting beyond punishment. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindfulness Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives to take family and life to a new level of awakening. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls ages 7 and 10. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so happy to connect with you again through this podcast. It's been exciting to hear uh, feedback from people who are enjoying the podcast. And in the name of feedback, I want to thank Raising Tegan, who gave a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you so much. And uh, that's great. And uh, she's saying gentle pairing is parenting is something she's been working on. The podcast is helping me so much by reminding me to fill myself first or my children won't take me seriously. Amen. So, so true. So thank you so much for for being here and for supporting the podcast and for sharing it with friends. Someone shared it with Raising Tegan. Yay, that's the best way. Word of mouth, that's the best way to share things. This is going to be a great episode today. I am talking with Amy Bryant, who is an amazing human being, and you are just going to love her. And she is a psychologist and the force behind Parenting Beyond Punishment um, and the Play at Home Mom. So we're going to dive into a bunch of really cool topics, but we're going to be talking about, well, parenting in a more collaborative approach and, and without punishment, and also kind of where our own fears, uh, how they drive us in our parenting journey. It's going to be really um, eye-opening, I think, for you, and um, and we have a lot of fun, too. So I think you'll really like this interview. And what's special about the live course is that it's kind of more than a course. It's like you join a membership program because you get to join the course for life and join in on the live calls every spring and every fall when we do the course. And people do that. It's really exciting to meet up with people every year and see how they're growing and what's going on. It's really exciting. But the reason mindful parenting is special and the reason it's different from other parenting trainings is that most other parenting trainings, they don't tell you that all that all that good communication stuff, it's really as good as nothing if you don't 
learn how to take care of your stress response. And that's what we work on in the first half of mindful parenting is really understanding our own triggers and our own stories and and helping to take care of our stress response so that we have that within. And then we have some of the best skillful communication tools that you can find anywhere um, in the second half of the course. So it's really a, a life changer and I hope you'll join us. It's um, It's a powerful, powerful course. I've seen it transform people's lives um, in my community locally and and online and around the world. It's exciting. So I hope you'll join us. And uh, I think that's about it. Uh, Let's get on to this interview with Amy Bryant. Today, I'm talking to Amy Bryan, and Amy is a psychotherapist specializing in family relationships, parenting, and self-care for moms. She is located in in Atlanta, Georgia, and online at Parenting Beyond Punishment, and Amy's just an all-around cool cat is kind of what I've discovered, so I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast today, Uh, Amy. Thanks for coming on. Oh, I'm really happy to be here and speaking with you, Hunter. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, and you're, you have a couple different, you have a lot of different things you do. Um, but what your, your sort of presence in the online world is with parenting beyond punishment and play at home mom. And this is kind of, I mean, I, I kind of like to dive into the deep end here because the idea of parenting beyond punishment, the idea of no punishment is a little bit of a radical stance in this world of ours. And so um, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit more about that. Sure, it is. It sounds, um, people get really concerned that when we, when we talk about parenting beyond punishment or parenting without using punishments, that, you know, our lives are kind of chaotic and they don't understand how that works. Um, and, and people really tend to believe that children can't learn unless they're punished. So we talk a, a lot about um, helping parents remember that they learn to walk without being punished and talk without being punished and eat without being punished and all these wonderful things that they are able to learn. And um, they really learned it through modeling and through conversations and showing them and teaching them. And so um, when we talk about parenting beyond punishment, what we're really talking about is teaching our children step-by-step along the way instead of punishing them whenever they make a mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really about a different way of viewing discipline. Um, Traditionally, we've thought of discipline as punishment, um, but, but what we talk about a lot on parenting beyond punishment is really taking the time to teach taking the time to slow down and figure out what's going on with our, with our children. Why is this happening? Um, and getting really curious about that. So, so cool. So it's looking at, so what I'm kind of getting from you is that traditionally, like we look at the behavior and we think they are doing something wrong. It, almost we look at it from like a behaviorist point of view, right? Like where For we're sure. doing yeah. something wrong. So we have to, um, you know, we have to make that be feel uncomfortable and have to have some kind of punishment so they don't want to do that, right? This is the kind right. of thinking be, behind punishment is that we want to make it so they don't want to do that thing. And you're this is like a complete, you know, to to look at it in a non-punitive way is a is a different paradigm. It's it's more like you're looking at 
what is going on with my child that that this thing would happen? And maybe we should use an example because it's a little hard to talk about this sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's, we could keep talking, but I, I agree. I think uh, examples are really helpful. Um, yeah, yeah. So say there's like a, there, say there's like a, a four-year-old or five-year-old and they have a two-year-old little, little brother, or little sister, and they, um, they get angry at the two-year-old brother or sister and they, they hit them. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like hitting like that. Like we can't stand for hitting. Like, obviously that's, we don't want to be able, we, we don't want to stand for that. So let's use that as an example of how first, first off, how you would look at that. If, um, in a way that's alternative to this sort of behavior as we have to make them feel, ha- have some sort of uh, aversion to this behavior. Right. Right. How do we, how do we, how do we intervene? Um, so the first thing when, when siblings hit and they do even children who don't have siblings hit, um, the first thing you do is you want to stop the behavior to, to protect them. So you might, you know, protect the two year old, And in that, in that same time, you want to be really focusing on calming yourself down because anytime someone hits your child, you're going to be worked up and your instinct is going to be to, to be really forceful. And you, you know, some parents might pop the four or five year old, they might hit them, um, yelling, stop that right now. Um, but really that really first step is to first intervene. So you're sort of blocking the hitting. So the two-year-old's not getting hitting. You're taking a deep breath and a slow exhale so that you're calming down. And then you're, un- you're getting really curious what's going on. So a four-year-old or a five-year-old, they t- a typically developing child at four or five can talk and express themselves and say what they want or need. But when they're um, dysregulated, when um, they're not calm or they're upset, they can't really access that higher thinking. So their two-year-old sibling comes over like any two-year-old might do and grabs the truck they're playing with and pulls it from their hands. And their immediate reaction is to hit the two-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. And why? Why do they do this? They they don't want their truck taken from them. So the intervention then is to, you know, first stop the hitting. And then you say, you get really curious, you look around and you look at the truck in the two-year-old's hand and you might take a guess. So you might say something like, oh, I see, um, I see John has your truck. Tell me what's going on. You know, so you've brought your own emotional regulation, your own regulation into this field and helped your four or five-year-old calm down. So then your four or five-year-old can can begin to talk and talk about what happened. Um, they took my truck. I want it back. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, so you say, okay, so let's use some words. You, and then you give them the words. I never say, let's use words. I would say, okay, can you tell your sister, I want my truck or that's my truck. And so you're really giving them the language so they have the skills so in this incident, you might look at this scenario and say, this child is, is lacking the skills they need. They're lacking the, the regulation they need and the words they need to respond differently to this situation. They're not being bad. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to avoid playing with their sister. We just want them to do something besides hitting them. 
Mm-hmm. So you're, you're going in and coaching them and yes. because that's how we learn is we make mistakes along the way. And then we say, what's a better way to do this? And this Absolutely. is how we learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if we go in there yelling and if we go in there hitting mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. they're going to learn to yell and to hit. And we don't, that's not what we want them to teach them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if we take the toy from the four or five-year-old, or if we punish them, they're going to resent their sibling. And that's not what we want. We really want to nurture that sibling relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So you're touching on a bunch of things. And one is that that uh, what they're learning from us kind of going in there and yelling at them is that yelling is a good idea. <laughs> and that right. we can... We can dominate the other, we can dominate kids who are younger than us or, or smaller than us because as adults, we're dominating this smaller being. And, and then, you know, you're, you're talking about that curiosity. And I love how you're saying, like, focus on calming yourself down because just as, you know, your child is dysregulated, they can't access their higher brain thinking. Mm-hmm. We are dysregulated, you know, when we are totally upset, we can't access that higher brain thinking either. You know, it's, 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 we have to be able to take a, take a step back and, and be able to kind of s- calm down that, that fight or flight in ourselves. Absolutely. Um, and, and then showing them what, and so, um, so I love that. What about, what about the idea of, you know, parents coming in and being kind of the judge and jury? What do you think about that? You know, where they're like, they did this to me and blah, 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 you know, and you right. know, make them do this. So what, what's right. your, what do you think about sort of those, those situations? Well, again, um, you know, there's sort of two goals. There's, we want, them to develop the skills to solve problems. And we also want to nurture relationships. So if we're coming in and we're being the judge and determining what happens, they're not learning how to resolve conflict in peaceful ways. Um, And if we're coming down and deciding someone is right or wrong, again, we're not nurturing their relationship with each other because when someone is constantly pointed out as wrong, there's almost always one child who's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, more consistently than the other, not just from a parent perspective. I'm not saying that that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me clarify. Um, then um, we're not, so we, there's two things. We want to teach skills in that moment and we want to nurture relationships. So we want to nurture the sibling relationship. We also want to nurture our relationship with our kids. So um, if we're judge and jury, they don't learn those skills and then they hold a grudge. They, they resent our presence. They resent the sibling. Um, and so it just really fails to do either of those long-term goals we have of life skills and problem-solving, conflict resolution, and nurturing relationships. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you always have to do it. <laughs> right. And then you are repeatedly doing that for the rest of their lives in your home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're roped into it. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. 
So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility and joy. Well, it's interesting because my, um, my daughters, uh, my oldest one, she's uh, 10 and my youngest is seven. And for a little while, um, recently, my oldest daughter was, um, getting frustrated with her younger daughter. And I think, um, I'm not sure. Maybe I didn't have, maybe there were times where I didn't have time for the coaching or sometimes she's, my oldest daughter is, um, She's, uh, she's very highly sensitive kid and she, uh, she finds it difficult to talk about things sometimes, you know, like with, with her sister, it's just, it's just the, the nature of who she is, right. That it's uncomfortable to talk about some things. Like she actually doesn't say like, I love you very much. Whereas the other one says it to me every day, you know, she's just the nature of her. She, it's a little uncomfortable for her to talk about some things. So she actually got frustrated with me, um, saying, you never do anything. <laughs> like, right. She was like, she wanted me, she wanted me to come in and be judge and jury because she was so, uh, she, she felt like uh, in her rightness in that situation, you know, like that yes. I would decide that she was right and her sister was wrong. And, you know, and I think that that probably, you know, she's, she, uh, she's a real smart kid and she can talk a real good talk, you know what I mean? Like oh, she, yes. She talks to her sister under the table and her sister's like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just like, hit you. Um, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Stop talking, right? That's exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and so, you know, I've, I would kind of reflect back at her like, oh, you're really frustrated, honey, you know, and that's part of what some of the skills I teach is like, let's, let's understand what's going on by some reflective listening and some kind of getting to things a little bit deeper. And, and it was interesting for me to be in the situation where she was like, I just, she's basically saying to me, I want you to just go in and decide my sister is wrong. And why won't you ever to do anything, yeah. you know, kind of thing. right? 
Come on, mom. Side with me sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Just go in there and fix it. Well, yeah. it is really hard, you know, for children who are sensitive or children who are emotionally intense. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a really overwhelming situation. Uh, and I think sometimes it's holding that space for them, just being quiet, you know, and saying, you know what, let's just sit here for a minute and breathe. Mm-hmm. And I and I even sort of will take it on myself um, when I'm sort of navigating these things and say, you know what, I need to calm down. So let's just sit here all together and not say anything for just a minute, you know. And so then everyone can kind of get to that more calm space, and then say, okay, you know, starting with that with just one child, you know, tell I want to hear both of y'all speak, and so. Um, you know, just randomly choose, or you could ask who wants to speak first. And then you sort of hold the space for that child to finish anything else. You know, is there anything else you want to say? And then you say, okay, I, I think I heard you. And like you said, the reflective listening, you repeat back what they said. Well, she took my, my truck and I wanted to play with the truck over with the blocks and, you know, and so you sort of repeat that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you turn to the other child and you say, okay, I really want to hear your side. And then you kind of just hold the space. You, you don't have to come to a solution. But like you said, you know, the two-year-old is, the 10-year-old is like, but I really want you to tell me I'm right. She mm-hmm. just desperately wants to be right. And we can totally all understand that. Of course. Mm-hmm. I always think I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> because I am. <laughs> because I am. And then I suddenly am like, oh my gosh, I get it now. Right? Yeah. But at... Uh, 10 it's harder yeah 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 and she's uh yeah exactly okay so this is good I'm feeling reassured <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're already doing it and holding it <laughs> well that's the thing is that holding the space is just uh that moment to pause that moment to hold the space I mean that's that's just so huge because that's what we want to skip. That's the uncomfortable place. That's oh my gosh, sitting yes. in the discomfort, right? And that's what yes. we just want to skip over that part and fix it. Yes. That's the, like the biggest thing, right? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, as parents, I think we can relate to that outside of that space because when we get worked up, we're like, well, I'm just going to do the dishes. I'm going to pick up. I'm going to put the shoes away. I'm going to fold the blanket, right? We start tasking. <laughs> to try to calm ourselves down. And it's the same in that space with the, with the siblings. It's so uncomfortable. We just want to solve it. Let me just be the judge and jury so we can move past this really uncomfortable place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And part of it, part of the, the, the sort of, I think of parenting as the, the crucible, right. Of, of learning and mm-hmm. <laughs> almost like bringing us towards a more enlightened place. If, if we allow it and we intend yes. it to be, and part of that, that learning is to be able to sit in the discomfort and to be yeah. able to just sit there knowing that this is impermanent, this will not last forever. And we can going through it actually Mm -hmm. allows it to dissipate in paradoxically faster than going around it or suppressing it. Yeah. Yes. For so true. And this is, you know, we might be learning these skills of sitting with the discomfort right along with our Mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. I know I certainly am. So, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So going, going back to the idea of kind of the traditional models of parenting, you know, we've got kind of the authoritarian and we've got permissive. There's probably a lot more people who are raised with authoritarian parenting um, and parenting with, with punishment. Um, what do you see as what, what does in general, you know, we talked about punishing, how it, it, it teaches them to <clears throat> maybe you know, um, uh, be sort of dominant over a, a younger child, but what does it teach us? What does it teach kids in the long run? And what, what does it, what does it create as far as, um, in the family in the long run? Um, it, so punishing children, um, and having this sort of power over, um, creates a lot of tension, right? Children, might be afraid a lot. They might get sneaky or lie so that they don't get in trouble. Um, they learn that um, mistakes have extremely bad consequences. And so it can be really hard to move forward in life um, sort of fearlessly. Like, you know what, I'm going to try this new job or I'm going to try moving to this new city or I'm going to try this new relationship. You know, how does it interfere with, with what we want for them in the long term? It also interferes with our own relationship with them. So if we think about, I, this is where I usually start with parents. Like, what are your long-term goals with your children? You know, what do you want for them? And, and what do you want your relationship to be like with them when they're 20 um, and 25 and 30 and, you know? Um, so, um, you know, that power over approach, if you, if we really want them to be able to speak up to their employers, if something's going wrong or to speak up, you know, when they see something unjust Mm -hmm. or, you know, do you, do we always want them to be obedient Mm -hmm. or do we want them to know when it's okay to say, you know what, I'm not going to obey this because it's not the right thing. Mm-hmm. And we have plenty of examples through history when we wish people would have stood up, stood up and said no to an authority figure and mm-hmm. said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those critical thinking skills are imperative. And it's really hard to develop think, critical thinking skills when you have to always do what you're told, when you're afraid to not do what you think is right. Mm-hmm. Or you're afraid yeah. to do what you do think is right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's funny, like, um, my husband and I, we, um, as, we, you know, because we started out, I started out with a more authority, and my child will be this, and she will listen to what I say. <laughs> and as uh-huh. a very sensitive, highly sensitive child, she taught me that didn't work very right. well. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and it was, it was really interesting. But um, as we started to as we as we made this shift, one of the big um, drivers for us was like I could see that my using power when she was young really created so much resentment. It created so much. It it just kill. It just killed our relationship. There was so much conflict. It was really frustrating, and it really was about this like. I want to have a good relationship with my child when she's an adolescent, when she's yes. a teenager. I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to be in 
you know what, because my father and my parents were like, you know, at one point my dad, like they were taught me to be very free thinking. And then at one point they said, you know, dad was all like, you should do what I say because I am the father and you are the child and you should do what I say just because I say it. And I was like, well, that's BS. Right. <laughs> and we had incredible conflict. You know, yes. we had incredible, I mean, I like ran away from home and stayed over at friends' houses at various nights, you know, when I was in a teenager. And, and it was just, it hurt, hurt our relationship for a long, long time, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I really wanted to shift things for, for this generation. And, and, and I think that's, that was one of the biggest things for us was like seeing that the use of power, like, it's really interesting that power, because the power runs out, yes. <laughs> you know, the, yes. po- the power runs out. So while it may quote unquote work when they're younger, at some point they say, well, forget it. I'm just leaving. <laughs> I'm yes. calling my friend and saying, pick me up or I'm, you know, I don't, right. you know, that. It, and so I thought that was, that was a really interesting thing for me. It was like, oh, you know, that it, when the inverse relationship between power and influence, the more power you use, the less influence you have, the more influence, the more, I mean, you know, the less power, the more influence you have. Yes. Right. And the, and that collaborative approach to working together, you're, you're all on the same team, you Mm -hmm. know, like, okay, this is a, a problem that we're having, you know, let's figure out a way to solve this problem in a way that benefits all of us. Instead of my way or the highway, it's, I really love you and I want you to be happy with this outcome too. So mm. like your, ma- your needs matter and my needs matter. Yes. Um, yes. I know in the gentle parenting community, a lot about what we talk about is, you know, hey, mom and dad, don't forget about your needs, mm-hmm. you know, but in the, in the more mainstream um, sort of punitive power over, I really talk about, you know, you really want to be on the same team as your child. Mm -hmm. There are ways to find solutions where everybody can at least have their needs met, their emotional Mm -hmm. needs met, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And I really want my daughter to come speak to me as a teenager and tell me what's going on and know that she'll have space to talk, that I'm not going to judge her, that I'm going to help her and listen to her and empathize with her. Um, I don't want to shut her down. I don't want to shut her out. Yes. Yes. Because that's what happens when we, when they, we create, you know, using that power, we create all that resentment and then it's us versus them. It is. Absolutely. I I had this similar experience as you. I, I did not tell my parents anything and I was sneaky and I lied. Um, because I didn't feel like they were a space that I could talk to. Mm -hmm. And that's hard, you know, and, and I think most parents, when they really check in close to their heart, they want their kids to know that they can come to them if they're having a hard time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And I, I'm wondering how many, you know, the listener, I wonder if you are relating to that, like what was your own sense uh, when you, with your parents, like, 
Uh-huh. You know, so you, sometimes it's hard to remember back, but what was it like when you, you know, did you feel like you could go to your parents? Did you feel like they were on your team? And I think that's a really like deep and profound thing to remember because we get so caught up in the nitty gritty. We get so caught up in just the day to day getting to here and getting to there that we forget the deeper intentions. Like the, what are we, what do we really, really want for our kids? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then when, um, when we think about this, this sort of approach of we're on the same team and you, you have parents and they're, they're in kind of very much an us versus them paradigm. And, and how do, how do parents who are in an us versus them kind of paradigm and they just want their kids to listen to them, (laughs) which is like the biggest question I get from everyone is like, how do I get my kids to listen to me? And, you know, we're feeling a lot of pressure because we may be out with our kids and, and they might be, you know, acting in a way that's not so great. They're out in, in, in the, the grocery store, they're out in the playground and, and you're, um, you know, so parents are like, well, well, how do I start this shift? You know? And, and, and I'm just thinking about the pressures, right. That we are on ourselves that we put, we put ourselves under kind of, uh, imagining other people's judgment and et cetera. Um, I don't know. I think there's a bunch of questions wrapped up in there, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, well, there is. Between our own internal pressures and the stories we have going on in our minds um, and Mm -hmm. the pressures of society and the fears we have. Is my Mm -hmm. child going to be like this when they're an adult? No, because they're going to have more mature brains. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really hard. So I, you know, I, I'll go back to the original part where you where where you said people are always asking, "How do I get my child to listen to me?" And um, it's it's really like going back and remembering that we have to model the behavior ourselves. Are we listening to our kids? Mm-hmm. Are we modeling what it's like to stop and hear, to really stop, not to keep stirring the spaghetti or, you know, working on your computer, but to like stop and take that minute to listen and and look at them and do those things we want them to do, right? That we ask of them. Mm-hmm. Can you show me that you're listening? Can mm-hmm. we show them that we're listening? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So modeling it is really important because modeling teaches that skill. Um, And then really knowing that unless we're nurturing that relationship, they're not going to want to listen to us because we're not building trust. And if you want, if we want our children to listen to us, we have to really nurture that relationship and build that trust. Now, this doesn't mean they're always going to listen to us, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I'm, I'm a psychotherapist and I teach this to parents and I do this in my office and I still have an a nine-year-old child who doesn't always listen to me um, because nobody always listens, right? I mean, I don't always listen to whoever I'm supposed to be listening to. Um, But the goal is, you know, in those really intense moments when you have to go somewhere or you're having a hard time in the grocery store do you know how to reconnect with your child so that they can stop screaming and yelling and running around? Do you have 
the relationship with them so that you can move in close and let them know that you're there and help them calm down so that they can listen to you and so that they want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, um, I love what you said. Oh, I just lost it. Oh my gosh. But the, this idea of that, they aren't always going to listen to you. And, and yeah. I think that we, we want something that's going to work a hundred percent of the time, right? Like that's just going to work. Right. But like we're human. But then the other thing is, is that we have such high, we have higher expectations for our children than we have for any other human being. And children are the most immature by definition, human beings. Like we have this expectation that my child, my child should listen to me the first time I say something, I should repeat. And like how many would you ever think that of like, uh, you know, say you had like a 20 something year old roommate living in your house. Like sometimes that the sort of, I have to like get in my mind, like, how would I talk to if this person was like a roommate living in my house, you know, like yes. what would my expectations be? But because they are, they come from, a, for the most large part from our bodies and they, they are, we see ourselves in them and we project so much in them. Like the, her expectations are like that they are just going to be like, it's just up here. It's so it high. Is. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous and it's unreachable. It's unreachable. We forget that they're actually behaving exactly as they're supposed to be because their brains are learning about themselves and the world around them and their place in the world. And they can't do that unless they're moving and they're active and they're talking and they're crying and they're trying things. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's mm-hmm. so hard to remember like, oh, wait a second this is going on because she's a child. She's not 20 or 45, (laughs) you know? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was so hard for me because my daughter is really, um, my oldest daughter is very precocious and, and very intelligent kid. And she, just started speaking full on sentences, you know, like she is just like two years old and she would talk to me the way I'm talking to you. Like it was pretty wild. And, and then I would go to like a, a, I would, you know, like so much so that I would go to another two year old birthday party. and be like, why is this child kind of talking to me? (laughs) Why can't they just have (laughs) Because I was used to this child who said forsythia and, you know, all this like, and, and so it was interesting because that you know, that sort of made me, helped me, triggered me to forget that she was a two-year-old child, you know, or she was, and we forget that they, like, we think, oh, they're so much more mature than they were. Right. They're now walking and talking. They can now understand my words. Now that they can understand, they are going to understand everything. (laughs) Yes. And, And they're going to be able to tell us or speak to us and use their words. Yes. You know, I have a lot of parents who'll say, I know they can do this. Why don't they just do this? You know, like, so tying their shoes. I know they can get dressed and tie their, and put their shoes on and tie their shoes. Why can't they just do it? You know? Mm -hmm. And so then we go and we talk about, well, what's going on? They're on their way to school and they're worried about what this big day ahead of them. And they're worried about leaving you and they just want you to connect with them. And sometimes they just want you to be there and help them tie their shoes. And they can't tell you in words because they've got all this stuff going on in their head. And all they can do is cry or all they can do is say no, right? Mm -hmm. But it's because Mm -hmm. while they have the language and the physical skills, 
they are emotionally overwhelmed with these young developing brains and they just need us to move close and be present. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and probably our lifestyles in general, like our world has sped up so much and our kids' worlds have sped up a lot too, you know, and that we have this expectation that First of all, I think we have unrealistic expectations for ourselves that we can just go, 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 and just do. And we have crazy expectations for ourselves about how we're going to live and and, and actually be <laughs> satisfied human beings. And then, and then, um, and then we kind of that that st- starts to overflow into our expectations for our child and their, their world. Like, yes, you can go to gymnastics and then to a swim class and then, <laughs> yeah. and that's cool. You know, um, as in, it's, it's interesting. And like, we have to kind of take a step back and take this big picture of what, you know, what, what is really going on and what are expectations. And you talked about, going back to what you just, you said earlier about the fears that we have and stories in our mind. And I wonder if you would talk about that a little bit more, because I think this is really, we think we go into parenting our kids and we think, I just need to get them to listen to me. I need to fix them so that everything will be okay. And I think that there's a lot of much deeper awareness to have about what's really going on. So could you talk a little bit more about that? I'll try. (laughs) As best you can. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I think so much of um, our parenting really can be driven by our fears if we're not trying, at least trying to be aware of what's driving us. Um, So maybe we're afraid that um, we're not good enough as a parent, or maybe we're afraid that we're not giving our children enough, enough experiences and the best of everything. And, you know, they need to start, like you said, they need to be taking music and gymnastics and art and, you know, and, and why do we have these ideas? I mean, one, we have a lot of information that says these things are so good for your kid's brain. Um, and so that, fear is that that we're not going to do enough maybe or maybe mm-hmm. it, um, I'm I'm not being a good enough parent I'm not giving my child enough I'm afraid that my child isn't going to be good enough themselves yeah yeah um, and that idea like you said that we have to fix them they're mm-hmm. not born broken mm-hmm. they are just born with these immature brains and bodies that have the whole, their whole lifetimes to grow and develop, just like we are, you know, at 20 and 30 and 40, we are constantly learning new things and Mm -hmm. um, understanding ourselves better in the world. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they really deserve to have that same, um, opportunity to, to be growing and changing across their lifespan, not in just those short 18 years that they're with us. 
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. It seems like it's like, um, it's, you know, we have a natural human tendency towards uh, negative negativity. Like we have the a negativity bias because oh. of, you know, evolution, survival and all of that. And it tends towards, it tends to lead, lead us towards, I think there's so much anxiety in this stage and day and age. I mean, that's something <sighs> yes. I struggle with first too, but it's, it's something that um, I think that we just keep going not acknowledging that that is the underlying foundation, right? Is that there's some anxiety there. And that if we, we keep thinking, like, if I just do the next thing, if I just fix this thing, if I just get the right clothes, if I just, you know, make sure I, I'm the, the right level of fitness, if I, mm-hmm. if I just do this 5k or 10k or marathon, you know, whatever it is, then, yeah. um, then, I will be good enough. And that's the same thing with our kids, right? That if they are this, if they are behaved, if they listen to me, if they this, if they that, then they will be good enough. And and I, th- it really is this kind of like, we are in this continuum really close to this sort of fear level rather than this trust. Like, uh-huh. how do we, you know, it's like, it's interesting. I mean, you know, that's a big question in my mind that I think about is like, how do we move towards trusting I mean, that's the whole thing about parenting with influence and parenting with relationship and parenting without punishment is that we have to trust that our kids will care about us enough to care about what we say, right? And it's just kind of this moving towards trust. You know, it's like a, I guess it's a, a long journey and it's very individual, but I don't know. It's really um, hard to trust especially for those of us who weren't raised in, for those of us who were raised with harsher punishments um, or, or just a lot of punishments, 
it's hard to trust that this can happen without using those parenting methods because we don't even know what that looks like or feels like. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you were raised in, in a more authoritarian household and you decided you didn't want that. Sounds like. Yeah. (laughs) This is kind of like my big rebellion. You know what I mean? (laughs) Your whole career. (laughs) I based my career on my rebel self that says, you know what, this is not what I want for my child and my family. Mm. Um, what I want. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it can be a real balance then between sort of appreciating my own child's rebel self mm. um, and recognizing that um, she's not being rebellious, right? So she said to me the other day, mom, sometimes you have to rebel against mom, even if she's the best mom. So she was like, because she had done something, and I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but she had done something without asking. Not that she has to ask for everything, but it was like one of those, you know, like getting yeah. on the iPad or something before bed. Um, so she says, sometimes you have to rebel against mom, even if she's the best mom. And what she was saying is, you know, like, sometimes you just have to make a decision and do something. And someone might not like it, but sometimes you just got to do it. And, and I can appreciate that because I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think that most of us, sometimes you just have to do something and try it and see it. And I don't want her to be filled with all this fear that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't want her to have this negativity bias where she looks at everything and says, the worst is going to come of this. Mm-hmm. I want her to go, you know what? I trust my mom to be able to handle this decision that I make and I will deal with the outcomes, whatever they may be. Of course, I didn't punish her. I just went, oh, okay, yeah, thanks for letting me know. Let's put that away and go read a book so that we can, like, go on with our evening. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, our, our side that says this isn't working for me, it's worth hearing. Those are those emotions that come up. Our fears, can we look at them and say oh, this is what's driving me. Let me get some clarity about this. Mm -hmm. Or I really don't like that my parents did this to me, so I'm going to do it differently. Mm -hmm. But then to look really closely, like, am I being reactionary or am I responding in a way that that is going to be helpful for everybody? Mm -hmm. Can Mm -hmm. we embrace our rebel sides without, like, thinking that they're bad, whether they're in ourselves or our children? Like, why are they rebelling? What do they, what do they need or what are they trying to learn? Or do you, why won't my kids stop crying in Target? You know, <laughs> I know she really wants this. You know, what can we do? How can I meet our needs and not be afraid of all the stares? Yeah. Yeah. People. Yeah. And, and just to clarify for the listener, when Amy says, how can we meet our needs? It doesn't necessarily mean buying whatever the thing it means, like no. what are those emotional needs? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Cause people think, Oh, well she needs this. Well, no, that actually we get, we stay on the level of solutions too much, right? Like this is yeah. a solution to whatever her need is. And there's right. a, a different thing. Um, it is. Thank you. It's so true. <laughs> we, we don't have to fix it. They can be upset and we can accept their upset. And, and that's part again of that sitting in that discomfort. 
Mm -hmm. You know, our child is upset. This doesn't make her a bad kid or me a bad mom. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just an emotion and it's worth hearing and having. And, and for those, for, you know, so then we have the continuum. So we're, we're talking a lot to the, the parents who maybe are in that sort of us versus them paradigm and, 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 you know, there's some reassurance, like, no, actually you're, you're, you know, sometimes it's helpful to say like, actually, you know, I don't punish my kids and, and they are, they're actually, we have a great relationship and they're very yeah. cooperative. You know, it's pretty yes, interesting, you know, like true. I have to mention that, you know, by the way, <laughs> by the way, my child isn't always a rebel, but she, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. She is um, super cooperative and lovely. But then for those who are on the other side of the pit, because people think, People think like, if I'm not authoritarian, then I'm permissive. And then I'm just, I'm being nice to them. And being nice to them is giving them what they want or whatever. But actually that studies have shown that children of permissive parents feel like they are uncared for. They are not loved because the parents don't set any boundaries. And and part of the, the idea of setting boundaries is looking at this idea of meeting our own needs, right? And this... And you talk, you know, modeling, it's like, yeah, I mean, to, to be able to understand our own internal fears, our, into, our internal story, to be able to have the wherewithal to be able to be present in those difficult moments, like, we can't do any of that if our own needs aren't met. No, None absolutely. of it. None of it. Yeah. Yes. And it's hard to sometimes think, like, step back from that situation and say, okay, I'm having like this body sensation, this pit in my stomach, and I just want to scream, what's going on? You know, mm-hmm. I'm getting really curious. And then my kid clearly is having a similar sensation because she's over there screaming, mm-hmm. you know, and then like, okay, like really stepping back and getting curious and then working with your kid to figure out what can we do to resolve this? And it's not about, like you said, it's not about getting that toy or letting them have the fifth scoop of ice cream. It's about having room for everybody to feel what they feel. Mm -hmm. And then seeing if there's some solution that satisfies everybody. And there's not always. Mm -hmm. But I think more often than not, there is some sort of solution for everybody. Yeah, yeah. If we get to sort of underneath to that layer of needs rather than the layer of solutions, right? Like, yeah. what is right. it? What do you actually need? You know, what is the need here that is is calling for this? Um, and I and I think that when we think about this idea of um, of doing all the this sort of work of understanding ourselves and being able to step back and step into being able to step into a place of discomfort, uh, I think that it's important to mention that this is inc- in almost impossible to do if we are have an internal dialogue of shaming and blaming and, mm. and be using that harshness with ourselves that, that, you know, without a, some level of self-compassion of understanding in ourselves, like this is really hard. This is really triggering. Like it's not easy for me right now. It's not easy for all so many people in this situation right now. And there's many people who have the same feelings and just kind of having that level of internal dialogue to be able to cultivate the, you know, the, the, the presence of mind to just not, you know, curl up in a ball and you know, because parenting will do that to you. It'll do it. Will. It will absolutely. Yeah. I really, I couldn't agree more. I think 
without cultivating that self-compassion that, you know, parenting is taxing emotionally and physically sometimes. I mean, it's also really lovely and fun sometimes, but if we can't cultivate that self-compassion for ourselves, we certainly are going to struggle to give compassion, like true, authentic compassion to our children and to other people. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think we have given uh, the listener uh, hopefully a, a bunch of food for thought today. <laughs> bunch of food for thought, and it, it's really, um, it's really kind of. It, this is. I feel like that, Amy, you, and and I, and so many others. I feel like this is a a, sh- a shift. This is like a real shift that's happening. Um, and I want to just thank you for your contribution, you know, your many contributions to this shift and to this conversation is just, I mean, this big conversation. It's really, you have a such a clear, present, um, compassionate voice. It was, and, I, and I really want to thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Hunter, for having me on today. I appreciate it. Yes, yes. And before we go, though, Amy, tell people where they can find out more about you and your work. And Sure. So um, my website is parentingbeyondpunishment.com. I have online coaching services and some um, self-care, a mindful self-care group uh, for moms. And then if you're in Atlanta, I'm Wild Child Counseling. And you can find me at wildchildcounseling.com. So we have support groups for parents online and locally. And um, I would love to to see y'all in those groups. We have some lovely people in there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amy. So appreciated. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Mama podcast today. I love what Amy says, and I love her presence and her point of view. Just she makes uh, going into this collaborative approach so just makes so much sense the way Amy says it. I love it. So if you have any questions, feel free to email me at hunter at hunterclarkfields.com. That's Clark with an E, Fields with an S, all run together. And um, this episode will be up at mindfulmamapodcast.com, mindfulmamapodcast.com. You can find show notes and things like that. And I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast so you get it every week and leave a rating. That always helps uh, spread the word in the iTunes algorithm and things like that. But, But actually, even more than leaving a rating... The best, best thing you can do is share the podcast with your friends. Actually, that's easy to do on your phone, just so you know. And leaving a rating is easy to do on your phone. Um, On the phone, if you click on a certain podcast or you have a podcast up, it has the little three dots on the right-hand side. You click on those three dots and you can... um, has a whole bunch of options that pop up and share episode pops up. You can do that. You can... I, I like to text message episodes to people, email or Twitter or Facebook. So you can do all those things, which is really cool. And then also on your podcast app on your phone, you just click on the search bar right at the bottom right. And even if you're already subscribed, you search for the Mindful Mama podcast. And, um, and then when you find it, um, you uh, you go ahead and just click on reviews. So you search for it, you find it's a little blue box. You see my picture. You click on that. 
and you click on that middle box says reviews and you can click right there to write a review. So that's a great way to support the podcast. So please, please do that. And then Mindful Parenting is opening for registration. Yay! It's uh, registration is opening on the 13th. It's closing on the 20th. So you have a window to jump into the live course. And it, you get so much more than just this course. There are so many bonuses, but you also get to join the course for life, which is amazing. It's um, it's really can be very life changing. So I I hope you do that, and I hope that we can connect in person every week. It'll be exciting to do that starting real soon. So that's exciting. Um, and I think that's it. Coming up in the next episode, we have an interview with. Um, an incredible woman about highly sensitive kids. So I now know that I'm a highly sensitive person and I know I have a highly sensitive kid. So I'm wondering if you're wondering if you have a highly sensitive kid. So you might listen to the next episode with Melissa Schwartz and you can find out. So I will see you then. Thank you so, so much for listening. Thanks to my hubby, William Fields, for the music. Go check out his stuff at williamfields.com. And have a great week, my friend. Fill your cup, okay? Honor yourself. Love yourself. Practice to do that, okay? Um, Because you're worth it. Okay, have a great week. Namaste. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy, and there's no roadmap for this until now. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I really struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way, and there is. Mindful parenting is really different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all of their good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. Where you learn why your kids don't listen to you, what punishment really teaches, the parenting truth that every pediatrician gets wrong, and the powerful hidden myth that can undermine your parenting. I'll see you there. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.